Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack, and I am so excited to bring you our first ever embodiment interview. So for anyone who missed the announcement at Monthly Medicine, which I doubt um, anyone would miss it because Monthly Medicines are listened to more than other (laughs) episodes, Um, for anyone who missed it, there's been a beautiful, I think, um, really potent shift in the way that I've been called to do interviews, which is instead of giving light and voice to, uh, tarot readers and kind of having that be the focus of the conversation that I've decided to shift over to doing interviews with people who I feel in some way embody an aspect of a certain tarot card so that there can really be an elevation of learning, a diversity of voices, um, people telling their stories, moving through their own journeys of life. So I'm very excited to begin with our first interview. And I mean, I've got about the, the next six interviews mapped out and epic. I can't wait to share these with you. Um, so my guest for today on the podcast is someone that I feel embodies the Empress in its highest forms. And that is Dula breathwork facilitator and herbalist Erica Livingston, the co-founder of Birdsong Brooklyn, which is a doula collective in Brooklyn, New York. Erica is a birth and postpartum doula who was birthed into her desire to be a doula, her calling. Um, At first she was a postpartum doula, but was birthed into that calling by uh, giving birth to her first son, Wiley. Erica is adopted and has gone through a profound journey of reparenting herself, moving through the trauma of being an adoptee, and um, describes her birth of her first son uh, as meeting her first blood relative, uh, her firstborn son, epic chills. (laughs) And I mean, technically that's true, but her naming that is just so powerful. Um, She is a breathwork facilitator, somebody who makes um, beautiful, has such a gift with herbs. Um, I've sent so many people to her. I have been completely transformed by Erica's practices. She's a former actor, a former comedian. She and I met one another back in 2004 when I was doing theater too, and in fact met her business partner while I was working at David's Tea in Manhattan. So there's a pretty powerful parallel there. (laughs) Um, She and I uh, have known each other since the old days, but reconnected about mm, three years ago when she was pregnant with her second son and have really become like besties ever since. And I'm so honored to bring her story and some parts of her powerful, beautiful, beautiful story to all of you today. Um, The reason, uh, so Erica and I talk a lot about embodying not only the empress in this interview, but death. Uh, And I wanted to explain why that is, even though it's not kind of titled in her interview. Um, Embodiment of death is someone who is available to the cycles of change that come with deep release and transformational rebirth. Because the death card is about death, but it is also about the true nature of death, which is a turning over and a transition from one form to another. And Erica's story, um, the reason that, and I I do think I'm going to have several people on the podcast this year who embody some form of death, just because it's something I've been thinking about. And I think a lot of us do and probably could do 
a whole podcast about that, <laughs> you know, just that idea of embodiment of death in all its forms. Um, but Erica really embodies death and has gone through, traveled through underworld energy um, and describes the postpartum journey as being a journey of into the underworld. And so there's a lot of death theme in this podcast, but explored through the lens of birth, which is really cool. And um, including the identity shift of becoming a parent, um, any identity shift. Um, and I'm very excited to explore those themes with her birth or death through birth. I'm really the other way around. But we talk about embodying the Empress. So let's first talk about very briefly what the Empress even is. So the Empress is ruled by Venus, and the Empress card is many things to many people. But the core understanding of the Empress is that it's an invitation to receive. That has been always the way that it has come through to me, um, although everyone has their own unique understanding of it. And here's why this word receiving with a capital R is so important with the Empress. Because uh, Empress is ruled by Venus. And Venus is the ruler of love, beauty, money, material possessions, things we cherish, whether that be a concept, a walk. Venus is kind of woven into all of those things. But in order to accept love, beauty, money, kind of all of the things that come with Venus the love we have for our children, the love we have for life, for um, a certain singer, the love we have, like whatever it is. We, we can totally think outside the construct of just romantic love, although that's part of it, of course, sexuality as well. Um, in order to be available to all of that, we have to be open to receiving it. And receiving is 100% number one, the hardest thing we do on this planet as people without question. We are usually comfortable with our dial set very low on receiving. And some of us are really good at receiving in certain areas. Sometimes that's really good. Sometimes it's dysfunctional. If we're really good at receiving stuff because we have a Darth or we have a um, lack of receiving in another area, there can often be an overcompensation or a dissociation or a habit that doesn't really serve us. That's kind of Empress reversed, right? Um, and that's when we get into um, never able to be single, you know, having a little bit of trouble pausing before spending money, um, having a needing kind of like hungry ghost energy to be told or complimented. And we, there's no shame around that, but we just want to be really conscious, you know, where are those little gaps between our uh, heartfelt, true soul-centered ability to receive. And the Empress is here to serve us with that. And the Empress, um, you know, has a very rich history and backbone as being a connection to the divine feminine, to the great mother, to fertility. And although all those things, I never want to take that away from anyone, we do have to remember that gender is literally an invented construct, that it is completely holographic, and that there are so many Gender is an infinite spectrum. So there are so many experiences of gender that to relegate Empress to just one and to the identity of mother, which is incredible, but also limiting and not the full spectrum of a person, again, will close out a lot of people. And because the tarot is infinitely formed and 
an endless mirror that reflects back to us who we are and our experiences rather than limiting. And I'll say that to anyone, like if you feel like a tarot card limits you, that means that you're meant to evolve it. If it doesn't make sense to you and if it doesn't feel right, take that tarot card and elevate it to what makes sense to you. And you are allowed to do that. Everyone's allowed to interpret tarot the way, um, you know, to allow their own knowing to pour through these cards, really become intimate with that. So the Empress is really powerful and so beyond those expressions because the Empress is really about yin energy and the Empress is really about being connected to earth because the Emperor is all that can grow out of the earth. So they're not mother-father. They're not divine feminine, divine masculine. They can take on those forms, but that's not really what they are. That's so limited for who we are as people. They are yin and yang. They are the essence of the roots in the earth and all that the redwood can become from those roots. The two of them work together. The more we're available to receive in the empress, the more we can give an emperor. So, because emperor really is the great giver. It's the extender. It's Aries. It bursts through. It's life incarnate. It's not a structured, shitty ruler. It's about taking up sacred space. It's about really coming here to do what you came here to do. Mountain, redwood, sequoia, like that's emperor. So empress is all about those roots. It is literally the taproot, the sacred taproot. And that's really what we need to think about when we consider this idea of embodying Empress. And Erica is an amazing embodiment of Empress for a couple reasons. One, because um, although we do talk in this episode about birthing and about parenting and about mothering, all of which actually is important to bring light to, it's not just about the kind of blanket statement of, oh, I'm a parent, I'm a mother, Empress is, this is Empress. It's not about that. It's about listening to Erica's story and seeing that within the confines of her having this massive, beautiful shift, walking over the threshold of, um, of birthing and of dying and of walking people through the threshold of life in any form, that there is a need to learn how to receive. There is always, with the walking over of every threshold, a need to open. And very often, becoming a parent is one of the ways that will dilate you very quickly, literally and figuratively, to learning how to receive. And that includes mothering ourselves, and that includes like not becoming a parent. And we really focus in this conversation about thresholds and about the idea that we're walking through thresholds all the time. And every threshold we walk over expands our ability to receive. So Erica is both an embodiment because she guides people through thresholds and through the very nature of her work, expands and dilates the receiving of everyone that she serves. And she herself has walked through the journey of needing to grow, even from her first child to her second, of um, being available to receive more support. And in doing so, she has so much more to give. So what we are learning really in this interview with Erica is not only how to dilate so that we can become comfortable, more comfortable with receiving from ourselves as well as others. Erica provides some beautiful literal how-tos on how to do that, but also how we can begin to plug in our threshold journeys, maybe birth, maybe nothing to do with birth, about where we have found 
ourselves in situations where through walking over a threshold that was profound that changed our lives, we had to reach forward and receive. And how that only makes us more available to give, to hold space, to invite others to receive. So we go through all that and it is really powerful. And I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Um, and yeah, I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow it, us to just kick it off. And two things very, very quickly before we kick off into the interview is that, um, my offering the threshold, which by the way, was an accident <laughs> that we talked so much about thresholds in this interview, but, um, I just didn't think about that at all. So I promise it's not on purpose, but my offering for the new year, the threshold is still available on my website. Um, it's beautiful, receive such lovely response. I'm so proud of it. If you're feeling called to have support on ritualizing your new year, understanding what you're releasing and what you're moving into, the threshold is here to support you. So you can access that from the show notes, or you can just go to my website and look up online classes and workshops under Soul Tarot School and um, on my website. <clears throat> and I want to also plug Erica's um, amazing, we're going to talk about it in the interview. She is co-leading with her business partner, Laura Interlandi, a beautiful mentorship program, 13 weeks based on the tarot, by the way, a 13 week program called Seen for doulas and parents and people who are not doulas and parents who want to learn how to support people through thresholds even more potently and powerfully. Um, I'm really honored to be an illuminary for this program, and um, which means that I offer bonus, um, like bonus content medicine. Like I'm one of the people who, uh, if you take it, will talk to you <laughs> after the lesson about like other things um, related to the energy of what they're talking about in their lessons. Um, so it's really an honor to be a guest luminary, and uh, yeah. Her and Laura Birdsong Brooklyn just do such important work and are so inclusive to people who are not birth or postpartum doulas. They really just speak to everyone. So yeah, very excited. And there'll be a little bit of talk about that at the very end of Erica's episode. And we will also have a link to that in the show notes. Thank you for being here. I love all of you. And I will uh, connect with you next week for our lesson episode. So be well until then. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul with Lindsay Mack. I am so excited and delighted to have with me today doula and herbalist and co-founder of Birdsong Brooklyn, one of my dearest friends, Erica Livingston. Hi, friend. Hi. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So great to be here. It's so beautiful to have you. Um, so I'm so excited to see where our conversation flows and we're weaving in elements of death and empress, but, um, I just wanted to talk and kind of just start by asking you <clears throat> in your own words, what is a doula and what does being a doula mean to you? Mm. That is a great question. The way that I define doula now is anyone who supports and provides service to another person crossing a threshold. Yes. 
So I really throw the word around. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, it might be something that other doulas might even feel fussy about. And that's okay. There's permission to feel that way. Um, <laughs> because I really, you know, I call you a tarot doula and mm-hmm. I call my friends doulas. And, you know, and these are people that have not done a doula training mm-hmm. or like or do the practice. But I really am interested in that word evolving. Mm. And um, representing service and also making it into more of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I play with it and I use it as a verb a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'll be doulaing you. Mm -hmm. Like, can you come doula me? Things (laughs) like that. Um, So, yeah, but it means to me, it means support and service and and truly non-judgmental support and service. Mm -hmm. So um, surrounding a person that needs that. And doing whatever it means that they need um, without your own agenda. Yeah. So, you know, not my choices or what I think you should do, but just being able to create a space around someone else, hear what their needs are, and then do the best that I can do to support that. That's so um, eloquent and beautiful and powerful and makes me immediately jump to something that you and I talk about a lot, like as <laughs> friends excited. and <laughs> which is, I think, very Empress connected because Empress is all about receiving mm-hmm. that I know that you have, I mean, you are a birth doula, but you um, started like with postpartum care yeah and feel so still my love still your love and feel so passionately and have taught me so much about the idea of postpartum care being after any threshold mm-hmm. like and it's and it's a step that we often miss and I think I mean who the fuck am I but I think it's partially because no one is comfortable with receiving totally that is so it I yeah. mean I think that well, postpartum is another word that I feel passionate about. Like, yeah. I feel like wordsmithing these things, yes. you know, and pulling these evolving words along them. with me and evolving the etymology. And postpartum is one of those. Like, I always joke, and it's like joking, not joking, that if on my deathbed we can look up what the word postpartum means. And if it's not, like, if we put it into Google and the first thing that comes behind it isn't depression, then, like, my life's work is done. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it's because I'm it's your so, legacy. Yeah, I'm so, I mean, it, it, and it wouldn't just be me, right? Because yeah. there's lots of people in the field trying to do the same work. And... Yeah, right now that word um, brings up the word depression with mm-hmm. it always right behind it. But postpartum is a time and it means after, yeah. you know, and in the context we we're talking about with the childbearing years, it means after the baby was born. And so mm-hmm. um, another part of my journey as a doula is finding my own role and scope from within instead of from the outside of different certifying bodies um, or people trying to regulate an unregulated field and saying when postpartum ends. And I started to run up against that because I like I consider myself five years postpartum. Right. right? Wiley is five and a half years old. That's my (laughs) first son. And I'm five and a half years postpartum. Um, My business partner, Laura, and I always joke with your mom is still postpartum and that we mm. want to put that on like t-shirts or <laughs> jackets or something <laughs> it's beautiful um, as this idea that it never stops being after the threshold yeah and that that's something that we don't think about a lot is that when we cross these big moments in our life that we're always going to have that moment now 
right? Mm-hmm. We are always, that's always a part of the picture now. Yeah. There is no like going back. And yeah. that's a tough part about the cultural look at the childbearing years specifically, but other thresholds as well is this bounce back, like yeah. get back into your uh, pre-pregnancy state, clothes, body, mm-hmm. um, that bouncing back. Like what other, like, why would we not want to move forward? Right. Like, why are we wanting to go back, <laughs> yeah. uh, jump backwards over it? You know, we're not putting yeah. the baby back in, like, let's keep going forward in yeah. the the way that we are now and with whatever medicine we got from mm-hmm. crossing that threshold. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a, a, a parent, but. I know because I have been pregnant before for a very short amount of time, um, even just from that couple of weeks, the grief of the loss of identity was like unlike anything I had. Like the full five stages of grief. Like, yeah, it's like a cartoon, right? Like a boulder from the sky or like a piano. Yeah. (laughs) And so I feel like, When I, you know, this idea of deep receiving receptivity, like connecting, moving past this threshold, um, doulas, like, I know that this is obvious, it's preaching to the choir, it's clear, and I don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I think is really important because we never want to work with our grief, Mm -hmm. and we certainly never we, we're not taught to like reach out for someone to say, hey, can you please see me mm-hmm. in my darkest hour and yet in my most shining moment? Yeah. And we're not used to ritualizing our grief. Right. And actually ritualizing and making ceremonial these thresholds of which there has to be grief. So I wonder sometimes if like the bounce back is like the response sometimes to not um, because I've experienced that in a way that's not with birth. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's there's no container. And so yeah. the bounce back winds up being kind of like the faux container. But yeah. it's like not a good one. Like it's like a crappy like it's plastic really container. Bad container. Like, it's like a bad it will takeout leak. container. It leaks. <laughs> it's pretty bad, you know. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I love what you're saying there because I think that when we do have mm. a strong containers yeah. woven by the community around us that's mm-hmm. ready to show up and witness us in the. in the hardest moment um, and ready to show up and witness us like in the truth too, you know, just like in the truth of where we're at without other people's stories of like what they think you need to be like at this moment, what, what everyone else thinks you need to be experiencing during this threshold. Mm -hmm. When people can just show up and be like, how can I support you Mm -hmm. and create a ceremonial perhaps, or, you know, very rich container to hold where you are then there's less of a desire to need that on the other side, right? Because yeah. you've got it. Now you're moving forward and it feels fine. Yeah. There's something to that. And, and you know, there isn't a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that came up for me as well in thinking about this empress receiving is I, I definitely didn't know this when I first was trained as a doula and first started working. And now it's such a huge part of my work. Well, I always try to work with any client before they have babies. Even if I'm just Mm. the postpartum doula, I try to work with them before they cross the threshold. Mm -hmm. I always like say so that I can talk to them when they can still hear me. Oh, it's beautiful. And when we're working in that time, 
you know, I used to be just being like giving out a roadmap and saying kind of, this is what it's going to look like. Even when I'm doing full spectrum work, this is what labor is going to look like. Birth is going to look like post is going to look like. And there is still that as part of my practice, but a major part of my own advocacy for people I support now is teaching them how to receive. Yeah. And I am telling you, especially working in New York, nobody wants to do it. No one. No one wants to do it. No, it is hard. (laughs) (laughs) So saying, you know, what people want to do is make all the lists of all the things that we can check off because that is a sense of control. And the truth is when we're Mm -hmm. crossing thresholds, we are out of control usually, right? It feels like the the train is off the tracks. And so what makes us feel like we've got some semblance of control still is when we have like a checklist and we've packed the bag the right way and we know exactly what we're going to eat afterwards and all of these things. And that's our structures and our scaffolding we're building around this moment that is just going to take us. Yeah. And So then when we get into talking about, okay, well, how's your community going to support you? And like, how are people going to take care of you? And in what ways are you going to be able to receive? And can you literally just lay down for a week? Mm. And they're like, no. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard for people to receive. That's the real truth. And especially in this community, New York is not, you know, the nervous system of New York is just like, bam, boom, bam. Like it's aggressive. And So talking to people about what it might be like to stop giving to others and only give to themselves and maybe one other small person that just got here and let everybody else take care of them is just so hard. it's kind of like unheard of in a way, you know, we just don't we and we also don't grow up like, I mean, did you grow up seeing like your mother or your grandmother go through a moment where they received like that? No. And that's what I'm usually doing when I'm like kind of strong arming people. (laughs) I'm like, you will receive aggressively (laughs) working to get people to accept a meal train, you know, and things like this. Like, but I when I do that, some of my convincing language is by you doing this, especially when people are the first one crossing a threshold this way mm-hmm. in your community, you're the first person that's had a loss like this. You're the first person in your group of friends that's pregnant. You're the, you know, you're the first person doing this thing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to share it with others and you're going to allow them to care for you, you're permissioning every single person in that circle mm. to do the same when it's their turn. Mm. That gets into that stuff that you and I have been talking about a lot about like delicious entanglement yes. with each other. Um, Where no one owes. It's just a process of spiralic like yes. I feed you, you feed me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that came from the book Food F- Full Moon Feast, that's it. Yeah. Full Moon Feast. Full moon um, feast. I want to give the credit where it's due because that's where <laughs> the inter- the idea was introduced to me and I am obsessed with it. Yeah, with Delicious Entanglement. And there are people in my lives that I really have that with you being one of the main ones. Um, it's a joy to be. And it is. Yeah, really <laughs> I is. love you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like you're permissioning the other people that you are deliciously entangled with to mm-hmm. then ask you for that same care later yes. and not in some stressful, you owe me debt, the meter's running way, mm-hmm. but in this like, I loved giving to you and I know you're going to love giving to me. Yes. Yeah. And we all are learning and holding hands together to, yeah, learn how to receive and yeah. what that looks like. 
I've always been very um, powerfully struck and kind of moved by this idea of you and your business partner, Laura, who I also love, Laura Interlandi, um, often talk about postpartum as a journey to the underworld. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have framed something so important for me that I think is really important for everyone to hear that postpartum belongs to you, whether you have given birth to a child, miscarried, or had a termination. Absolutely. That it belongs to us no matter what. Yes. Um, and that this journey, you know, you've described it to me as like, after the other side, you are more open than you've ever been. Yeah. And so that idea of the closing, um, I think also the idea of postpartum and the reason that I'm so delighted to be talking to you about this is because the themes of postpartum and those thresholds to me are inlaid with so much outside of birth and outside mm -hmm. of physical human pregnancy, like those journeys, we just don't honor them in the way that I think even for postpartum people, mm -hmm. like physically postpartum people, like where did your journey kind of begin in terms of the underworld journey? <laughs> like where did that begin for you? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> such a good question. It's so big. I mean, okay. In the womb. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm adopted. For your listeners, you of course know that. I do. I mean, you deeply know. I deeply know. Um, for, but for the listeners, I, I was adopted and I like, I call it that I was like on reserve because my biological mother made, had a lawyer who made a deal with my adopted parents' lawyer. The whole mm. thing was brokered by my mom's OB. Y'all think about that. That is a good movie idea. Someone take that. <laughs> but like, come talk o to me. Let me be the broker. ghost. <laughs> Let me be the ghost writer. Mm. Um, so yeah, my mom was seeing an OB for fertility issues. And essentially the OB was kind of like, I know someone that's got one that doesn't want one and you can't have one. Oh Do you want me to hook this up for some money? And that's how it happened. So um, it was a private adoption and it was closed and I did not know her um, and I has, have still never met her. Um, I do know who she is now, but mm -hmm. didn't know that growing up and neither did my parents. And so I think that now I look at my time in the womb as the beginning of this journey, which oh, I know shit. is so epic and like sounds so overblown no, and dramatic. it's exactly right. <laughs> but it is because I started in this space, yes. like where I was being created. Like when I was coming from like the little old tadpole look, you know, <laughs> into, um, into little old me, I was in a space, um, I was living inside of someone that didn't want me. Mm. And that is where I was created. And that was the beginning for me, you know, is like the beginning was I, I was born via cesarean. I don't really know much about the birth story other than I know it was a month late. So totally supposed to be a Virgo, wound up being a Libra. Mm -hmm. Same and with me. I was supposed to be Pisces. Yeah. yeah. We were late babes, right? Yeah, so we were, we were. Um, I was about a month late, born via cesarean. And in that time period, cesarean was probably truly emergent mm. um, and but I mean, I know that my birth mother did not die. So mm -hmm. I know she is living now. And 
Yeah. And then uh, one thing that I didn't let myself acknowledge until well after I had had my own children is what a trauma it is to be adopted. So I did for many, many years feel the pressure to just be really grateful. Mm. And I'm all about the gratitude. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, but I I regret in a way. I mean, regret's a, a toughie. But I look back and wish that like younger me had had any kind of a mentor that would say like, hey, it's totally fine to lean into the tough feels yeah. about this. Yeah. Because the attitude about it in my life growing up was like, wow, you should just be so grateful that you were adopted yeah. and people cared for you and you didn't go in this direction. And it and it didn't give me the space to really um, lean into that um, it was a trauma. Yeah, because the truth is, it's not your fault that you were brought into the world. Yeah. So in a way, the gratitude like is bullshit because and not I'm saying it's not bullshit, but that was all related to the people who were responsible for caring for you. So while it is a beautiful thing that you were not um, in, you know. That you were under the care of yeah. adoptive parents. It's also like, yeah, but I didn't like ask. I know. For well, this? Also, like, like, I don't so know why I should be grateful. Right. When they tell the story too, like, okay, so I'm a recovering Baptist. You can probably hear my <laughs> accent too, especially when I start thinking about being Southern. Yeah. I like sound more Southern immediately. But, um, you know, my mom and dad often tell the story of like, we just had a prayer train going for you and everyone was just praying every single day for years and all this stuff. And it's like, Thank you, but also like I don't remember asking. I, do you, I mean is there like a checks and balances here? And it yeah. starts to get into that thing of like, um, yeah. and I think why I'm so attracted to that idea of the entanglement yeah. um, that is kind of a debt-free entanglement yes. of emotional unconditional. Debts. Yeah, I'm like very obsessed with that in mm. my life because it feels like some of the beginnings. It's like I got here with a receipt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I got here with like kind of a IOU, like born with that in my hand of like, I owe this person for thank you so much for not aborting me. But even though you got paid for it and like, thank you to you people who really wanted a child. And I, I don't know, there was a lot there. And I am grateful for all those things and yeah. for getting to live this life and be on this path. But also I'm now more realistic about those beginnings being a part of the story into um, yeah. yeah, grief and death and that journey, the underworld journeys that we go in and out of. And I just yeah. feel like I was like down in that, those pits the minute as a baby, were, yeah. you know, as a little one. Um, and, and also why it maybe isn't abnormal to think that I've surfed those waters like a lot through this journey, Yeah, <laughs> going kind of in and out. Yeah. Um, and there is like a mirror too, and like a, there's some kind of. I don't know, portaling between my birth and my like first birth of my son. Um, Which was the moment I think you had mentioned that like you understood because one of the most powerful things about, you know, loving you and being your, you know, one of your deepest, dearest and having you be one of mine is that um, it's so clear like with every profession, especially that of service, that, and it's not to negate either one, mm-hmm. but some people really just come into this world like with a legacy to leave, and it really starts the second they come in. Mm. And I see that in myself sometimes. Like, I'd never be able to do 
anything I did without kind of everything being set up for me. Yeah. And that also involves me being uncomfortable and in pain a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> like mining yeah. for gold in that. Like it's not like cute, but there are some really beautiful parts of it. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I so deeply see like it's just really something you were born to bring to this world. And um, but I'm am I right in a, in understanding that like Wiley's birth was the thing that that struck in you like, oh, I want to be at the feet of women yeah, doing this. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for all that you just said, too. I want to just like receive that. <laughs> Thank you for receiving in real time. In real time. Yeah. So receiving right here. That yeah. felt really nice to receive. Of course. Um, yes. Wiley's birth was for sure like an awakening and also um, – the place where I allowed myself for the first time to miss my birth mother mm. out loud. Yeah. Um, and not something I had prepared for. So like a lot of my clients here in New York, I am a little A type. I wanted to make a lot of lists, all the stuff I was talking earlier. I even made like postpartum bath fizzies, herbal I'm here for that. postpartum bath fizzies. <laughs> okay. Coming in hot mm -hmm. with like the list making and the Deep over preparing. <laughs> and then the thing I did not prepare for mm. was what was going to emotionally come up. Yeah. And my labor was very long. And in it, um, yeah, I was really down in there and um, facing some things that I didn't expect to face, like the desire to be mothered. Mm. And it was deep. It was so deep. And yeah. um, the desire, what, yeah, I mean, it's not like there was never a moment where I had been, wow, it would have been really great to have been mothered by my biological mother. Like, that, it's not like that thought had never crossed my mind, but not in this way like this. Like, yeah. this was just like this desire of like, yeah, wanting to be connected to like not just her, but my entire maternal lineage, mm. like some really epic feels about belonging and um, trauma around abandonment. Yes. And then fear that I was not going to be able to be uh, the mother that I want to be because I had not been mothered. Mm. And also, Wiley was about to be the first blood relative I'd ever seen. That is like, I remember when you told me that, that like blew my eyeballs back into my it head. It still blows my he panties is, off too. <laughs> I mean, like Wiley is the first blood relative you met. Yeah. And it was like after he came wow. out of me after a long journey. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah. and and the enormity of that, it just like, it just really hit me in labor, the enormity mm -hmm. of that and and fear and fear about that, which is so crazy because like also there was like this elating like like excitement. Yeah. But there was still just fear that I wasn't going to do it right. Mm. And I mean, everybody that decides to have kids has that feeling, I think. Right. That we're going to like F it up. Yeah. You know, so there's like just that built in. That's just built in of like wanting to be a good parent. And then what it feels like to be afraid of that. And this was just like that extra. Yeah. Yeah. So it broke you open. And would you say that that was really the initiation for you? Because I think everybody has an initiation that starts them on this journey to dilating mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. our threshold of what we're able to receive. Yeah. And I think that that happens slowly through a person's life. And I think that there are certain things that come in. And I think for some people, it's like when they meet the person that they really want to be with. Like, I think there's an enormous mystification about that. Like that when you meet your person, it's so great. And it is, but it's also like really hard to receive the good stuff. Still a lot of work to do. Still a lot of work to do. (laughs) And especially if you were not really actively not given love and Mm. not given Mm -hmm. affection or intimacy the good people you want to kick them away Mm. and spit right on after them like that's why I think we go for these cyclical partners so long way of saying that it seems that in many ways you were kind of (laughs) opened completely dilated like came full circle with really honoring this part of you that desired to be mothered and cross this immense threshold with the birth of Wiley and Um, Was that really the beginning of your initiation? You know, because I hope to talk a little bit more about like how like listeners can like literally be available to receive and we'll get there. But like, was that your moment to be like, oh, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be available because I also know, and I am going to shut the fuck up after this, but I also know for the the birth of your second child, you had multiple doulas. So like the shift, multiple postpartum doulas, right? Like you had multiple. Yeah. Areas of, you had like five, right? (laughs) So many. (laughs) Which is like, well, just, by that point, I was mentoring. So, I, right. you know, it's not that I'm just like you the didn't, like, fanciest for five women people, you've but, ever like, met. But you had <laughs> circles around you of multiple people who yeah. were holding the space. Well, and, and the main thing I had was the lack of shame in asking for what I need. That's what I mean. In so, that time, I had gotten past that work. So, yeah, that incredible. Wiley is that. Wiley like, is that. Yeah. Wiley's birth. Well, okay. So back up just a little, please. just a couple of bullet points about his I birth. I came in that so make hot, it, please. A <laughs> couple of bullet points about his birth that make it understood, maybe, for listeners of why I had to receive and how it was initiation. So it was a home birth. It was four days and he was 10 and a half pounds. <laughs> So those are the stats. If it were like a baseball card, like if you had baseball <laughs> cards about your birth. Oh, my God. Making <gasps> that. Making that. Birth baseball cards. <laughs> oh, my God. We have to cut this out of so, the podcast. <laughs> TM, TM. Such a funny idea. But I would love to have it because sometimes you just want to tell people the stats and not the story. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine like a picture of your baby? Like, yeah. Like right when they're born. Yeah. That's the picture. Um, so yeah, it was a very epic birth. It was long. Um, I had, I had essentially three birth doulas during my birth because they had, because it was so long, they had <laughs> lives and they had they children and out. things happening. Like, you know, they had to tap out and circle in. There was endless support from mm. them though, which was amazing. So it's funny because in that birth, I had this very heavy support on that end. Mm-hmm. And then in my second birth, I had it stacked on the other side. Yeah. Um, because of how intense Wiley's birth was, I wasn't I wasn't able to walk afterwards. Oh. So um, it took me a little while to Were be you in able. a wheelchair? I used a walker. Mm. Um, Mamas and, are amazing. Yeah. And I used a bedpan. I mean, and that is really humbling. You know what I mean? Like it's humbling telling you right now. It brings up feels even now telling you like that this is what happened to me in birth, you know? And, um, so I did, I had to receive, 
Like I literally had to receive in order to, I couldn't, I could not get up. And, you know, now when I'm talking to people about the journey, I'm telling them to lay down for a week. Right. But like, I basically did have to do that in order for my healing. And, um, and you know, vaginas and bodies are amazing and I healed and it is beautiful down there, but like it wasn't right afterwards and it was really scary. And that time period was, well, it was humbling and opening. And then, um, and then it turned pretty gnarly. Like, even though I did, like I said earlier, when we were talking, like that someone can say their outcome of their birth and to, and it may sound like, wow, well, you got everything you wanted, right? You like wanted to have a home birth and you want to have a baby that was healthy and safe and everybody was healthy and safe. And then, so, wow, you achieved it. There it is. It must be it. It's like never that clear, right? Mm-hmm. It's never that simple. Yeah. So there was all this to untangle, especially these emotional things and then my own healing. And that stuff is what really started to bring up the service. Yeah. I also had just known that I wasn't going to be able to do what I did before, which I was like in theater and writing and yeah. comedy. And I just couldn't do those same things because I knew I wanted to give those nights that I was giving away there to my kiddo. Yeah. So I knew there was going to be a threshold that way and a kind of cathartic change. And I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. But then when I started to really hit what postpartum was, and I'm telling you, postpartum is not just about the bath fizzies. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> not just about depression okay. and not, not just about bath physics. No, those, are, those could be our two <laughs> ends of the scale. It's like pretty gray in between. And as I started to navigate that time period, I, I also had my business partner and close mm-hmm. friend, Laura, who was three months ahead of me and had had her daughter. Um, and so we were tethering to each other in that time period. And we were essentially kind of caring for each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when it started to hit that I was like, I, this is so much deeper. Mm. I also would feel so good on the days I got to give to her. And then I would feel so inspired by the way I was receiving from her. And I was receiving yeah. from her. Like, I always joke that she's like, my friend, <laughs> my business partner. I call her my mom sometimes. She's like, really, we really embody lots of things for each other. Mm. And, yeah, I was receiving from her in a way I had not received from another person before. Mm. And and giving to her in that way. And we were still having hard times. Yeah, You know, we were still having hard times. And so you know, still navigating like the feelings of it and the grief, you know, there is this death, right? This death of the self before and navigating what it felt like to let go of all of that and to know also there's all these relationship shifts. I mean, you are just shedding friends like it's like old undies, just like, boom, that one's gone. (laughs) That one's gone. That one's gone. That one doesn't get it. I mean, it's intense, you know, I believe it, especially that first walk across the line. And so death and birth are so yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just sort of all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. So, yeah, that's definitely the time period where it started to come forth that I wanted to do this work as like mm. my own work and service and started to feel like a calling. And then I went to like my first postpartum doula training while I was still what I deeply consider postpartum. I was like four <laughs> months <gasps> out. Oh my gosh. And still, you know, still breastfeeding around the clock. And I remember my trainer being like, you know, you could do binding now. And I was like, I remember then it's so funny, like what I thought then versus now. I remember then thinking like, 
but I'm like not even postpartum anymore because I was still thinking oh, that old timey. Wow. Yeah, that like American you're done after six weeks. Yeah, already had my six week checkup, so I'm done. Back yeah. to just whatever I am now, you yeah. know. Um, but I was so clearly still in it. You yeah. know, my trainer was like, a lot of the things that I'm talking about, you could use because she could clearly see that both me and Laura, <laughs> like we're there. You're like, you know, I'm all set. I'm here in this. Um, yeah. Oh, how beautiful to be seen like that. Yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah. Her name is Jackie Kelleher, and she's still who I consider my main mentor mm. in this work. That's um, great. Yeah, and she did. She saw us, and she called us out. Mm. <laughs> you know, and in. She called us in. Yeah, she yeah. called you in. Yeah. So then, yeah, if, when you um, – because the receiving pieces are so crazy, right? Like mm-hmm. we go through so many, we really backflip as human beings to avoid receiving in yeah. kind of all the ways. I mean, I can even think right now about with you and I, because I feel like we're always trying to receive more from oh, each yeah. other in this great way. Yeah. And one thing that you and I do and where I will backflip <laughs> is I'll make you like a 20 minute voice note and, and then, then you not send, send it, it to me, <laughs> which is... The biggest problem I have with you in our relationship. <laughs> and it's, it's that keep that is, from me. It is that backflip. <laughs> and it's often the ones where I really did need to send it. And I really did yeah, need that. I course. need, but then I start to feel that, that like weird shame spiral mm-hmm. of like, well, I cried on this and I am complaining a lot. And like, what if she's just trying to have a nice day, you know, and like would make it nicer. Yeah. But and, and of course, yeah. that's always the thing we have to remember is that you want it so bad. And I've needed <laughs> for you and I, you know, as this example of what yeah. receiving can look like. I have needed us to talk through like yeah, it. So and, much. and I need it when you send me a voice note where you're crying. Yes. I have to sink in. To how much I love to know when you're hurting and mm. how much I love to hold when you're hurting and same. be able to take care of you and that that you want that same thing. And mm-hmm. what it is is that we frequently know the medicine of like what it is to give and hold the space, but not what it is to be the receiver, the one that's saying. Yeah. yeah. And to be so unconditionally re- received, I think. And, you know, the beauty of because I have like there are so many very powerful parallels with your and my work at the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm not, I'm not in the every day of like being like in those moments with new parents and like, that's so, um, so beyond so powerful, but I feel like a lot of the work I do with people in my like intuitive counsel work and in the way that I do tarot is like just even like, receiving what the card has to say yeah and not attaching like it really just comes back to the most foundational element that receiving is so uncomfortable yeah and (laughs) with the right caretaker and the right support we can have that dilation that can really if we feel comfortable like all the pieces I think have to be right. Yeah. But it's really hard and does take time. Like it is, it is its own, I think, initiation. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you referenced earlier, like me being on the other side after I had my second son Mm -hmm. stone and I had multiple doulas. It was um, incredible. I, and they were all postpartum doulas. Yeah. And I, 
at that point, I had already started a mentorship program. So that's part of why is that that year, part of the exchange for people who lived near me was that instead of paying me for mentorship, they paid me in post hours. And that was our exchange. And so it would be, you know, these really (coughs) sweet brand new baby deer doulas. (laughs) They would be not knowing exactly how to put together a sits bath, but they would come over to do it and I would show them and they, you know what I mean? So I was like in real time (laughs) doulaing myself kind of through them. And it was such a great amount of receiving. And the reason that I set that up that way it was like kind of trial by fire because it was this thing of like I've been saying now I've been preaching this right so since I've been preaching since my experience through Wiley's birth since founding birdsong with Laura training as a doula and starting to show people how to receive now I was going back down the portal again back Mm -hmm. into the rabbit hole of motherhood what is this going to look like I'm going to cross another threshold now yeah and I better practice what I preach because this is my Mm -hmm. opportunity to, to really truly, lean in and embody. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not easy. So yeah. I don't want to make it out like, oh, oh yeah. No, and I don't then think I just it's like ever got easy. It. Then I just did it. You it were like, just <laughs> available to bring in that level. Yeah. That and I think I'm so incredible. much more comfortable because of my work. I mean, I was always like an outcast and like a super nerd. I've always been that. So I've always been a fringe kind of person and like on the edges and pretty comfortable with awkward. So mm-hmm. that's just like, that's just self yeah but um I've gotten more comfortable with awkward in my work um because I do think that's something that doulas do have to kind of embody is yeah like if you're gonna really advocate for people's needs when they can't advocate for themselves and when you are also um gonna take someone's iPad away from them because you can see it's harming their mental health like there are just like moments where you just have to do some things that are kind of awkward yeah um and so I'd already gotten cozy in that space of being like yeah I want to have all my mentees doula me that's amazing here they all come (laughs) it was so great I would do it again right now I believe it it. was so great (laughs) and I you know I think like well talk to me about how you know if you could kind of name and frame because here's the thing right receiving divine receiving is our birthright Mm. period and I think it's a homecoming my teacher Michelle my mentor says it's like straight up without question the number one hardest thing we do as humans on the planet agreed like everything else comes a little bit after receiving and yet it is the thing that we are a it is a birthright and be already so good at, and we mm. don't even know because yeah. we're taking in breath and we're taking in sight if we have sight. And even if we're assisted in breathing, yeah. we are receiving that breath through the support of that machine, that sacred, beautiful instrument of mm-hmm. breath. Like we are taking in and sometimes breath is all we can do. And sometimes breath is too much Yeah, for some of us. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. But like, The idea that it's a birthright and also the hardest thing, like how would you say for anyone listening is like, how can we begin to like, you know, to expand that threshold of receiving? Like how does one begin their journey of, because I think, you know, again, a couple of times, like I think that's what Empress teaches us, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the earth has got you. Yeah. Yeah. What I was, what was coming up when you were talking about the breath is like the relationship to plants that we have, which Mm. is, that is also that delicious entanglement, right? It is so good. Just is this relationship and there's, and we can't not have it. Yeah. Like the plant that is right by you right now, like you are having an exchange right now 
and you can't not have that exchange. It yeah. just is. And it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just easy and built in. Um, and I think that, well, one is the reframing of how you think of it. Yeah. So I think the first step to it is thinking about that would be a good one is like thinking about experiences in your life where receiving is easy and where Mm. receiving is built in. Mm. And who is the like people wise? Is there a person in your life, your unicorn bestie, we might call them, you know, that (laughs) is someone that it feels really easy to receive from, really easy to be seen by Mm. and and like starting there. And then the goal being that that being able to focus in on one person that's got that for you Mm. or even your houseplant has that for you and then expanding outward um, from from what that feels like to to receive in an easy way. And then it is about going the other direction and starting to get cozy with being weird and saying and and it it, you know, it's it is risk taking. Because we're all so afraid of being rejected, you know, mm-hmm. and we're all so afraid of abandonment, you know, like yeah. still, like I feel that all the time, like afraid of not being called in, afraid of not having a seat at the table, afraid of not being accepted. Um, you know, that is something that I don't, I don't think we can eliminate those fears. Those yeah. are just fears we have to continue to like get the lessons from and move through. And so I think it's about knowing those are there, being afraid, and then still pushing past a little bit further mm. in the remembrance of that thing of that if you do ask and it does work out, there is that permissioning you're giving to others too. So by receiving, you are giving, mm. you know, by mm. allow like the meal train is one I use all the time. And I already mentioned that once earlier, but if you allow everyone to do a meal train for you and you do it really well, because like a good one is not just lasagnas a good one really reflects what you want to eat. Yes. And it reflects your dietary restrictions. Yeah. And it tells people, even though this isn't how you eat, this is how I eat. Mm. And I deserve to eat the way that my body needs. Yeah. And then they go out of their way to be like, all right, you're gluten and dairy free. I am not, but I'm still going to prepare it in that way. Or I'm going to give you a seamless gift card or a Whole Foods gift card Mm. or an Instacart gift card or whatever the thing. And that there is like this permissioning uh, even around those like details and specifics that honor who you are and like what your how your body is in this world. It makes it to where next time they can be like, well, I would like to receive Mm. and I eat meat. But it's only ones from the local butcher. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> yeah. making up stuff now. But it's kind of just about being able to be seen in yeah. your specifics and not be a, like, you know, oh, well, I don't want to ask anyone to care for me in that way because I'm too complicated. Yeah. And it's like that. That's always that dichotomy of being too much and not enough at the same time. The mm. two worst ends of it. Like I'm too much and also like not enough because I'm not valuable enough to receive this way. It's like, no, your gluten free, dairy free you is perfect and yeah. still deserves to be deeply nourished as you cross thresholds, whether that is literally because you're just having your period, mm-hmm. literally because you just had an abortion or you yeah. just had a miscarriage or a loss or a baby or any of these other versions. Those are the ones I'm working around a mm-hmm. lot. So they're the ones I'm talking about, but we're always crossing thresholds, you know, yeah. and we're, and we're always moving in and out of spaces where we do need the love and support of people around us. But I think that we are used to thinking that it's, it's too hard and too awkward to ask and that we're going to be a burden but you're not. 
It's so interesting. First of all, that was life changing. And thank you <laughs> for all that you are and all I that you love do. You. I love you too. It brings to mind two really powerful things that are that really are so hard to hold on to when we're in that moment, that unbelievably vulnerable moment of asking for yeah. support. That sometimes if we are if we do experience judgment around someone who's like, oh, like dairy-free, gluten-free, like, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's their limitation. Yes. Like that's their threshold. There and, it is. And that, you know, I uh, – and like it's so beautiful to think about the infinity loop of that, that we can we, – we permission by receiving mm-hmm. and permission other people to receive. Yeah. But we also, I think, start the process of waking up in someone who is really boundaried and not maybe the best way about their own receiving um, to think about why it is that us desiring receiving would make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also like a dual giving, even when we don't necessarily get what we desire from someone, yeah. there is still a gift being bestowed. That discomfort I think is a great gift. And I yeah. feel like at all the time you were talking about this way of opening to receive, which again was brilliant, the word boundaries just kept coming up. Yes. Like so powerful to think about how they're connected and how death is intimately a part of it because the more you receive, the more you clear away people who can't come with you on that. And you just continue to cycle forward. Yep. Continual. That's right. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, it is, I mean, yeah. Saying you're gluten-free, that's a boundary, right? Like and the more comfortable we get with our own boundaries and then being like sacred and positive Mm -hmm. and not shameful and not embarrassing, but more like, this is a cool part about me is that I'm this thing, you know, and being able to like pull our boundaries into a positive space. I mean, that's huge. And that's the, the, I mean, that the woman I mentioned earlier, my mentor, Jackie, Jackie. she is like, she is like a walking boundary. And I love that. (laughs) Like she, uh, she teaches boundaries and she teaches it really well. And she's been this really great, um, like rock of that for me and my work and, and Laura as well. But being able to say, like, I want to receive and also, like, in this way. Yes. Being um, very and specific. And then also, like, I can't receive from you in just the way you might want to give to me. Like, I need to receive this way, you yeah. know, back and forth. I mean, what you just did in the um, monthly medicine, the mm-hmm. episode right before this one, which I listened to on the way here this hey. morning with the windows down. Because it was 55 degrees, <laughs> was. ladies and gentlemen. What a delicious treat. Um, it was great. Uh, your boundaries in that episode were so clear Mm, thank you, and really like inspiring. And I think that there is, there is something to that because what you're saying there is I will receive you from you, but only in this way. Yeah. And I can, I don't have space for you to come in in this way. And I think, yeah, that's definitely like a layer to the work of how to do it so that you feel safe. Yeah. I think one of the shadow, yeah, I'm an Italian, um, a woman, um, from New Jersey. Yes. And love all of those things about yeah, you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I wouldn't change it if I could. That's um, why you're always coming in hot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know how to do that. That is for sure. <laughs> Engineer Chase, Chase is, is over here nodding. <laughs> um, he's like, yeah. Um, but I think something that I've thought about a lot, and I have never actually, I don't know, explored, is that um, 
and I'm not, uh, don't want to stereotype Italian mothers, but I am a little bit going to stereotype Italian mothers. Okay. And I am going to say that sometimes, I mean, my family, there's a little empress shadow mm. that's like there's just an overwhelming desire to give. Mm. And in my family, um, n- it, they don't really care if you want or don't want yeah. to oh, receive. Yeah. Like, I don't even think that's Italian. That's just like a kind of, I, I mean, that's a grandma. Right. Like, that's, that's such a grandma, a grandma thing. Yeah, I guess thing, you're right. You know? But I do think like there's there, not, and the shadow is not a problem. Shadow is beautiful. But like, I do think that sometimes creating that boundary about what you're available to receive can be its own yeah. animal because sometimes people want to give you everything and it's not personal. Yeah. And I think people struggle with that too. I'm realizing like I do sometimes. Mm. Like it's hard for me sometimes to say, thank you so much for wanting to gift me this attention or this particular energetic exchange or thank you for offering this or thank you for wanting this from me. Uh, or wanting to give this to me, but I'm not available to receive that in quite this way. Totally. I mean, um, it's like, yeah, nanny, I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I cannot eat cannot anymore. Cannot eat anymore. Please stop force feeding me. Please <laughs> stop force feeding me. So it's not a shadow, like it's a problem, but I do mm. think like that is also a road that I think is developed through expanding our threshold of receiving, like being so clear about what we are available to receive specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love thinking about it in that way because that's a whole other level yeah Uh, I love that too that gives me a lot of good feels I mean and also just like breaking out of that um idea that we know what others need I know I mean we just don't we just you know and so let's just like make a blank like write a blank Mm -hmm. so that they can fill it because it's theirs you know and I mean that is definitely one of the greatest parts of doula work for me Mm. is Getting to learn with yeah, each person. Yeah, getting to learn with each person. And it's funny, like when I interview with clients, they're frequently like, what is it like, like in postpartum, they'll say, well, you know, what does a postpartum shift look like? And I'm like, it is literally different for every person mm-hmm. um, because everyone needs something different. Mm-hmm. And I'm just doing my best to try to accommodate that, you mm-hmm. know? And then I do explain like what I think a shift can look like that sounds real good and delicious and awesome, but also it, it, it is so different per person. And so it's really about this exchange of like, well, you tell me what you need and I'm going to show up to make that happen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And yeah, like being able to say how you want it, like how mm-hmm. do you take your burger is, yeah, a, that's a big part of it because yeah. then you can truly, yeah, because you don't want it if, it if it's not the way you, you like it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It is. That is some of the medicine of it. And, you know, deeper thoughts on like how to begin the receiving, I think, Mm -hmm. is also something that came up earlier that I wanted to say. Is it it can start with self, too. So it can start with the with you giving to yourself, Mm -hmm. like in my like in cycle work for me. I try to like within my own cycle because I'm a bleeding person. Mm -hmm. In my follicular phase, I try to do something for, like, luteal me. 
It's beautiful. <laughs> it's real sweet, it's right? It's really sweet. And little Ludiel me always looks back and says, thank you so much. Like, what's an like example? Sweet. What do you do? Like a gift, like things that I, like, I really like this one specific deli chocolate that's like coconut. It's not organic or fancy, y'all. It's like not... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's not, just but it's like you. a coconut chocolate that I really like. And I have for myself, like what I call a little moon basket. Oh, that's and it beautiful. sits in our like guest bedroom. That's also kind of my healing space and where I do herb clients and things. And there's a little basket in there and it has the comforts that I use around my cycle. So it mm -hmm. has like my heating pad in it and two little cozy, um, hot water bottles, the little ones that have like sweaters on, mm. those are the best ones. And um, some tinctures and some herbal support that I use around my cycle. And what I try to do is some point in the follicular stage, I try to like tuck a gift in there. And it's like a way that is receiving Beautiful. too, right? So even though it deeply. is just from me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always even joke like the beginner level of this is Okay, I'm obsessed with Soda Stream. Like seltzer is Understood. life. Okay, if you live in New York, you know. Yes. Um, and I pre-fill my Soda Stream with cold water, cold filter water, and put it in the fridge so that then later me, who needs a seltzer, which is always, mm -hmm. just has that there. And it's like little ways that you are in your life already giving to yourself mm -hmm. and, and and meeting your desires. <laughs> so that's a good way I think when people are starting to first wrap their head around mm -hmm. receiving an empress <laughs> is mm -hmm. that you can start with just the basics of yeah. how do you give, how are you giving to yourself and receiving from you first and then come outward from there. I am so moved and grateful that you shared that. And I also want to acknowledge that sometimes even those things are too much Yes. And bring up discomfort because then we can think like, oh, why me? Why would I do this for myself? Especially if we haven't had that level of parenting. And I want to acknowledge in you the work and the labor mm. and the commitment that you have made to reparenting yourself in mm -hmm. this way that you are available to receive from yourself. And I want to kind of just, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you. And I also want to say to anyone listening, like, that's my journey Every day mm -hmm. is like, you know, as an, as a person who wasn't mothered and wasn't really cared for and struggle a lot with like, even the loving act of like making food and I'm privileged yeah. enough to like have beautiful food and yet it's still hard because if it clashes with the kind of threshold of receiving we have, that's very low. Yeah. I just sort of want to um, acknowledge that the discomfort isn't evidence that you shouldn't do it. It's evidence that you're, you're breaking a threshold yeah you're moving beyond that, that is threshold. huge that's exactly how to say it I yeah think. thank you for saying that too because I think that is such a big part of it is that like I I mean I'm trying to break it down into simple doable tasks because that feels oh, like you've been the, the like practical mind you've been of blowing, me even blowing me away <laughs> you just keep Come going on. <laughs> uh, but you know, even just the seltzer, which sounds so yeah. so so cheesy, but and such no, a like, small it thing. Is the thing. But though. I just want to say that even in my journey, there are times where I like don't want to do it. Of course, do you know what I mean. Like, don't want to prep my own yeah, self. That's my the own biggest lie thing. we're told is that we should want to do all this shit. Yeah, and that like it's always going to be easy because it mm -hmm, isn't. It's you know? not. And and that's cycle life too. That's yeah. seasonal life. Like we're yeah. cycle beings. Whether you're a bleeding person 
person or not, right? Mm -hmm. We're seasonal beings and we move in these cycles. And it's like, it's okay to be in the space of the time, whether that's today or a month Mm -hmm. or a season where you're just like, can't. Yes. Can't. Can't Can't. right now. Nope. Pausing this. this. Not giving, not receiving. Right now, pausing. (laughs) Right? And like just needing to stick in the mud for a second. Like that's part of it too, you know? So absolutely. And I do think that, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in what you said of like when it feels tough, that does mean you're pushing against the barrier. You know, you are. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. That sort of discomfort always makes me think of like, I don't know, that's evolution to me. That's like that evolutionary discomfort that we feel when we're about to grow. Like, I feel like we both want to hatch out of the egg and we also mm, like would totally really prefer not to. I mean, to. in birth, I always relate it all back to birth. I can't help yeah. it. Like, do the life. But, uh, you know, I have never supported someone during a birth, myself included, that didn't have a moment where they were like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like before before it's over, right? Usually that's a good sign that we're at transition and that they're 10 centimeters dilated. That's usually a good sign is that they're like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm actually done. I like just, can we just stop the whole, let's just stop, you know? And that manifests in many different ways Mm -hmm. in different people. But it's a common, that is a part of hitting the threshold, right? It's like being right before the moment. That's usually when people like, when people are saying, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, awesome. Baby's going to be here soon. Oh, wow. Because it's always, there's that place right before transition where we're about to move into pushing and mm-hmm. there is, and there's that fear, right? Yes. That fear that you're not going to be enough, Expansion that fear that this isn't the right thing. And yeah, there is, we're the biggest and we're finally 10 centimeters dilated. And there's still that last like, Ooh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's scary. That's a mm. really scary place to be, but it's also that place where you're about to fall off the cliff and you've got no choice anymore. There is no turning back. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do with a baby? It's yeah. got to come out. Babies have to come out. Has to come out. <laughs> so... But it always happens. And I think that there, that can happen in the biggest, you know, events, like a huge event like birth. And also in these tiny moments in the, you know, yeah. routines of our lives. It's so beautiful. Hmm. Really is. And I, I think the rhythm of birth, like literal birthing of babies, is just present in everything. So much. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it's and, and I know that for some people, like, that's very sensitive, if, you know. Sometimes they don't resonate with that idea, but I always look at it for myself. I do deeply resonate with it, but it's like we've, we all came from it. Mm-hmm. So it's a remembering yeah, of being a part of that thing. And I often think about that. Yeah. It can also just be like a really good cheat sheet. It's not something you got to do, but it's really nice to have kind of like a cheat sheet for life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there will be contraction really literally does yield expansion. Yeah. And also the contraction is not where you open, right? Mm -hmm. We always think that the contractions in birth are like the big work and they are work, but it's the rest right afterwards. It's the sip right after the contraction. It's the sip of water and the leaning on another person right then Mm. to like let all the muscles rest. That's when you're dilating. That's when the opening happens. It's so powerful. It's a cheat sheet. And also like two steps forward, one step back is always how the body winds up doing it. And it's how we do so many other things. I mean, cheesy enough, like I was with a client at a prenatal yesterday comparing the real estate market to like labor contractions. But it's easy (laughs) to do. (laughs) It is a life. We all understand it. Yeah. You know, my my uh, Michelle told me something once that is 
like I'm my mind is just exploding right now because of this parallel. Mm. But as you know, um, and as everybody knows, because I've said it, like been working through um, just a lot of like inner acceptance and moment to moment work with medical stuff. Yes. And um, sometimes w- she and I have been working through like, you know, if a headache arises mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know what it is can I just be with the headache and kind of, because I'm an intuitive, I was trying to find out like, well, how can I determine like what it is, what it means if to go to the hospital, like, what do I do? And it took us a year, but she really taught me. And this is weaving directly into what you just said about the dilation happens when you're resting. She was like, there is a rhythm of life. She was like, guides are never going to tell you like, if you have to go to the hospital, you won't have to question it. Like, you'll be dialing 911. She was like, so don't worry about that. You'll mm-hmm. know. But she was saying, like, if at any moment something arises in you that is uncomfortable, is physical, is, you know, tuning in and saying, you know, is there anything I need to do about this right now? Is there anything spiritually that I can do for myself? Is there anything physically, actually? She was like, and if you get a no to both of those things that's the celebration. Yeah. That's heaven. It's right there. You don't mm-hmm. have to wait. You can do it even with a headache. Mm-hmm. She was like, if there's nothing to do, then there's nothing to do. It's right there. And so, um, she's talked to me a lot about how, like in those moments when we're panicking about whatever, we're actually missing the moments of organically built in rests that help us get to the thing. Yes. But I'm laughing because like in labor, I've not been in labor, but like, I imagine like there's just no room for any of that conceptualization. You are just so in it yeah. physically that there's no question like, Oh, I need to rest. You know, yeah, like, of course do. we're like, yeah. you know, I'm like waxing poetic right now about like, whatever intuitive thing, but birth is just so powerful in all ways because yeah, it's just, just so absolute. I mean, so many people say it too, like, oh, like I didn't have a choice. Like that's how you feel in yeah. it, right? It's like you just are being pulled. Like wow. it, it is your body doing. And that's what's one of the things that is cool about it, right? Yeah. Is that it is a time where you can kind of get out of the head. Yeah. And we're just like living in our heads so hard. Mm. And then you get to a certain point in, in birth and you're just not there anymore. You know, wow. I'm always trying to like get my clients permission to get there earlier too. like stop taking care of everybody right now. Yeah. Like you don't need it's to free. wonder if I had enough to drink. Like if I'm hydrated, right? Like just do you. But we're also, again, that has to do with that receiving stuff Mm -hmm. and the trouble with it. And so I usually give my clients the example of like, don't say, hey, Erica, would you mind going over to my bag and seeing if you could possibly find my headphones? What I actually want you to say to me is music. Yeah. (laughs) It's like (laughs) giving them permission to just like, Cut the niceties, cut the caretaking, cut the like trying to be polite and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And just like for one time, just receive and understand that no one's judging you. Everybody wants to support you and that you don't have to do all the stuff that you've been all the kin keeping you've been doing forever. Let it go. All the emotional labor. Let it go. Just get into the real labor now. We're not doing emotional labor. Now we're going to do like the actual labor (laughs) and just do it, you know. Oh, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, but me too. I and perhaps you can. And come we back. will just not on the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll just continue <laughs> after we stop. But this has been incredible. But I want to leave a little bit of time 
Because I feel like all of this is building to this really beautiful um, thing that I would love to offer people some opportunity to learn about. Like you, um, again, are the co-founder with Laura Interlandy of Birdsong Brooklyn, which is a beautiful uh Doula Collective? It's you We're too, not really, right? Yeah, it's just us. It's so just It's not you. really a collective. What do you call that? There's space for everybody. Practice. <laughs> yeah, it's a doula practice. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't even know what we are, right? Yeah. We're, a, we're a doula biz. You're a doula biz. Yeah, and exactly. we educate other doulas. Yeah. We have classes for parents. Yeah. Things and like that. Amazing. You have like the first certified postpartum training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Incredible. we're doing, um, we wrote and teach this uh, postpartum foundations training for Kara Child's birth. Amazing. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to share, you know, I know that everyone listening to this, like I have been you know, you are my, one of my unicorn besties, mm-hmm. but, um, on a very real note, and I cannot believe we didn't talk about this. You and I go so far back. Oh my God. So intertwined because it's so good. Yeah. We were, we, you still engage with acting in theater and with work in the arts sometimes. Um, yeah, slip it in here. You and there. slip it in here and there. You're a voice on a very popular podcast. Would you like to share what that is? Sure. I am the, yes, I'm so like <laughs> awkward. Sorry. Um, I'm Alice on the podcast. Alice isn't dead from um, I'm like not dead. That's obvious. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Spoiler here. alert for Spoiler seasons alert. one and two. <laughs> True to the title. Oops. Not dead. Yeah. Really amazing. Mm. Former neo-futurist. I guess yeah. always neo-futurist, but yeah, you're in New York neo-futurist. Once you're a neo-futurist, you're always a I believe that. Um, so yeah, just like. We You're know amazing. each other from that time. We know all each three other. Of us. All three of us know each other from that time. Um, but all of this is leading to me saying that you um, have created this absolutely beautiful offering called Scene. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, I know for everyone hearing this that regardless of what you do and how you may feel about your connection or desire to give birth or to be a birth doula. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been so moved and inspired in my tarot practice by your wisdom and your teachings and that of the medicine of postpartum for all walks of life and Mm. of your and Laura's work. And um, uh, I love the program that you're developing. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk about it. Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I also, I mean, I got to give you a deep bow because a lot of jumping off and taking the leap into making that offering is inspired by you and all that you've offered me. So we are like so deliciously entangled. Because the platform we're using, I like learned about so through easy. you and it's so easy and yeah. so many, so many of the structures and, um, and for everyone, I don't want to like blow this but for anyone listening to this the setup and the arc of yeah. scene is based on the first 13 um 14 it's the first 14 yeah first 14 cards of the tarot from fool to death so That's right yeah so and that is all because of i t- took your course and really leaned in this year by taking your um tarot course learning so much more about the tarot and pr- bringing it into my own practice and of course relating like every card to birth i feel like i was bugging mm-hmm. you so hard during it the course because i was like joy. oh my god the ten of swords is the epidural and like that just was really amazing like, <laughs> seeing so many different <laughs> Um, parallels to birth and postpartum and the mm-hmm. childbearing years because those are the, the times that I work around and the threshold I work on mainly. But um, yeah, so we are, Scene is a 13-week journey 
that is open to doulas, of course, doulas, um, but also um, parents that need to be seen Mm -hmm. and anyone else that is like a creative entrepreneur that feels like this journey would help their work if their work is of service. So like we talked about earlier, when you asked me to define doula, we use that same loose definition that we call it loose because it may not be as tight as what other people call it. But for us, we're tight to the looseness of that. Like that is what we hold is that doula means support and service across thresholds. Mm. So if something, if that's something you do, then you are a blank doula, right? Mm. You can be the laundromat doula. Like you can be the blah, blah, blah doula. And so we welcome in all kinds of doulas. Um, Last year we had death doulas, abortion doulas, miscarriage doulas, birth and postpartum, of course, because that's the more common, um, commonly known. And then we even had a gal that called herself a divorce doula, which I really Aww. love that idea. I <laughs> love that. People need that. Um, and yeah, it's a journey into exploring these different themes and modules. And we're following the arc of the tarot this year, um, which helped me rearrange the modules of how we had them yesteryear, uh, like the year before. And now um, the flow feels, it's so magic. It's so much better even, you know, because now it really makes sense. And so we'll be talking a lot, um, about the embodiment of each card and how it relates to service and practice and how you can pull the embodiment of that card into your doula work. Love that. Yeah. It's nice. There's doula you in it too, which is all about receiving. So there's some real stuff like in the past with mentorship, we had always been frequently being like, you know, as we talk about value in exchange or boundaries and contracts, that brings a lot up. So make sure you take really good care of yourself tonight after Mm. the call. Um, And instead of just saying, take care of yourself, now we have built into the program a way each week. So there's always one offering each week, whether that's like breathworks or uh, breathwork practice, herbs, um, guided meditations, voice work, dance parties. Oh, I love it ritual baths, all kinds of different ways that you can, um, take care of yourself in an easy and, um, easy to do way so that you feel good on the journey. So yeah, that's it. It's our sweet offering. We do it one time a year. It's from the winter solstice to the first day of spring. That's beautiful. And people, we will have a link to that, um, offering in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I, um, we didn't, it wasn't initially intended that you'd come on during the time that I don't think, but yeah, I, it's just it's really just good. great timing. Yeah, it's good timing. <laughs> yeah, I believe so much in the work that you do, obviously, and it's lifted and shifted my life so profoundly. Same, same. Thank you. And I just can't recommend it more highly to, and to anyone to become more intimate and familiar with the way the rhythms of death and the rhythms of receiving play a part in our lives all the time. Yeah. The more kind of comfortable we can become in them, the more able we're, you know, we can show up in the world as ourselves. Yeah. It's really nice to show up as yourself. You know? That's how I feel right now. And it feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Same. So um, I feel like literally – this could be a three-hour conversation. <laughs> but out of respect to everyone. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank you so much for yeah, being thank here. you. How it can people so great. find you? Um, my website is birdsongbrooklyn.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we're most frequently on Instagram as birdsongbrooklyn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's lots of ways to reach out there. And I'm open, yeah. ready to receive. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> 
Thank you so thank much. Thank you for Erica. the time. Of course. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs>